You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. Those are kind of the valuable lessons my dad taught me that I took on to my life. And I loved playing tennis at Oregon State. Yeah. It was it was really good. I played my first year there. I played doubles with Shannon Miller, who was the daughter of Ralph Miller. Amazing. So, um, you know, connections run deep. And Shannon and I were are good friends. You've never seen two women at that stage be as competitive as she and I were. That's coming up on this episode. Now, I use this podcast to give free advertising to charities, so to hear about a great nonprofit you can support, stay tuned to the end of this episode. This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, I've got a really fascinating couple of episodes coming up for you today and Monday. Today's episode features Pam Airy, formerly Pam Riley of the Oregon State tennis team and stories that go a lot farther than OSU women's tennis. I had a fun day on last Tuesday. I went out to Tristing Tree Golf Course, ran into Sean Airy, who's the golf pro there, former Oregon State golfer. Then I interviewed his wife, Pam Airy, for this podcast, played tennis for OSU in the early 80s. Then I drove over to Pam's father's house. Pam happens to be the daughter of Oregon State Hall of Fame inductee Jack Riley, who was the baseball coach for 22 years leading up to the Pat Casey era. So I got the full family experience with Jack Riley. I also saw Jack's wife, Jean. And for this episode, you'll hear Pam Airy's story. While on Monday's episode, you can listen to Jack Riley. Jack was the baseball coach while his daughter, Pam, was playing tennis at OSU. They overlapped, and she was actually... She was actually a better basketball player than tennis and could have played both sports. But in the end, she stuck with tennis. And the crazy thing about her time at OSU is that with budget cuts, Title IX, a lot of non-revenue sports were on the chopping block. So both the tennis program and the baseball program were in danger of getting dropped, meaning that possibly either Pam would lose her ability to play tennis or her dad would lose his job coaching baseball. In the end, Pam was instrumental in keeping tennis as long as it did at OSU before it did get cut halfway through her time in Corvallis. She also helped her dad keep the baseball program afloat. And it's no overstatement to declare that if it wasn't for Jack Riley, there would be no OSU baseball program for Pat Casey to have coached in the 90s and onward. So this family is instrumental in Oregon State sports history. I also go down memory lane with Pam in this episode because, no joke, she was my basketball coach in 5th, 6th, and 7th grades in our AAU program, Future Spartans, connected with Corvallis High School. I didn't know it then, but Jack Riley had came to some of my middle school basketball games. Of course, his favorite player would have to be his grandson, Hogan. He went on to play golf at Louisiana Monroe. I like to think I was maybe in his top five favorite players. Well, I don't know. But I talked with Pam about her memories of coaching middle school basketball, her passions and memories from that era. So to talk about her passions in coaching, in art, in sports, in helping save OSU baseball, please welcome former Oregon State tennis player, Pam Airy. a lot of fun to have you on the podcast so thanks for talking i'm so happy to be here bring back uh, some memories and uh share them yeah it's funny how when i when i was back in my day when i was playing for you i had no idea that you had been an oregon state athlete that your father was a coach that your 
husband had been an Oregon State athlete. I had no idea. I don't know if you ever talked about it and just slipped my mind or if you just didn't didn't make a big deal out of it, maybe. Yeah, I didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, um, when I coached, it was about the kids. It wasn't about me at all. It was about trying to make uh, little boys into good athletes. And it's funny because um, a lot of uh, dads didn't didn't really like having a woman being their coach. Mm -hmm. Your dad, not one of them, <laughs> but uh, they really didn't. And so um, I always told them that if um, if they wanted me to treat their son like an athlete, then they were going to have to treat me like a coach. But uh, you know, it was it was a tough tougher time back back then. I mean, I think it's getting better where we now have female NFL officials yeah. and whatnot. So I broke the ice in a lot of things that I didn't even know I was breaking the ice in. Right. You know, played, I was like the first first girl at Oregon State to be a ball girl. Wow. I was the first girl to play Little League Baseball instead of softball. And back then, that was just normal for me. Yeah. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to, you know, make noise and think that women should have those rights. I was just living in a time where that's what I wanted to be and do. And somehow I convinced people that I should be able to. And sometimes that's the biggest trendsetters is the people who don't necessarily go into it saying, I'm going to change the world. Although there are plenty of amazing people who have that mindset, but right. sometimes it's just, I'm going to be the best at what I do. And then whatever change I make is the change that happens. That is me to a T. I've always wanted to be the best at whatever I did. And that's kind of how I raised my kids, how I coached my players. You know, some days aren't going to be your best, but you're going to go out and do your best for that day. And mm. I live by that motto to this day. That's the beauty of sports. Yeah. That's what what is why sports are so awesome, because they give you a purpose to wake up, go work on something to be better to be better. Mm. They give you a reason to want to live. Mm. I mean, there's just, whether it be sports or drama or singing or whatever drives you, um, I can't say enough about, you know, following a passion. Right. But sports in general, I think create good people because mm. they have good work ethic. They make themselves better. Right. When you were, were coaching, uh, I mean, you coached our fifth through seventh grade teams. What were some of the other spots that you coached at, different sports, different places? What was kind of your, your coaching resume? My coaching resume. Um, well, my dad says that uh, I would coach a bride how to throw her bouquet. Um, I've always <laughs> loved coaching. I love kids. I love watching or helping people be better. So I started coaching, well... When after I had kids, hmm. when my my time of playing kind of kind of came to an end, hmm. so I started coaching t-ball, hmm. and boy was that uh, a, a fun thing. Yeah, you know. And now I can go back and watch t-ball and actually enjoy it. But then trying to keep all those little guys getting to where they're going, <laughs> so um, t-ball coaches don't get enough credit. Uh, then on to rookie league in yeah. little league and on to majors and so I coached softball and little league baseball all the way up through both of my kids seventh grade year and then I started coaching girls softball at CHS um, I coached JVs there for four or five years mm. um, love that loved coaching JVs because I could give them the fundamentals they needed to get ready for the varsity um, 
it wasn't it wasn't quite as you know developed as it is now where kids you know play just one sport and right. focus on it we we uh we had kids who were playing lots of sports and so you know it, it all sports help each other mm. i i truly recommend more kids play all sports rather than one sport yeah just limits their life limits the joy yeah too much specialization for sure i remember sure. coaching you josh and i remember um how i would make you guys all dribble left-handed up and down the court i don't know if you remember this but oh, yeah. I, I was so so uh, focused on wanting you guys to be have an advantage when you got to high school yeah where all these other coaches i was or teams we were playing with the coaches were just out to win right right well I wasn't about out to win at sixth grade. I was about developing skills and discipline and and things that would help you when you got to another level in life. And you were always the best. And the, honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting across from <laughs> me, but you worked the hardest at dribbling that left hand and shooting that left-handed lane. <laughs> You were determined to, to make that offhand as good as your right hand more than any of the other kids out wow. there. But that's kind of how I coached. Is, yeah. You know, uh, prepare kids for life, not just because, like we said, right? If you get out there and you be your best, winning will take care of itself. Uh -huh. And so that was so after, um, let's see, after uh, softball. I coached um, a couple years at Lynn Benton Community College mm -hmm. um, with the girls basketball team yeah. with AJ Dion. Mm. And uh, that was a fun two years, but Sean and I learned that um, I think <laughs> I was a mom, full-time <laughs> mom. I had five and a seven-year-old and basketball's a tough season. You've got Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas, right. and I'm going on road trips and doing this all through the holidays. and. Um, so I had to choose, and I choose, choose family. Yeah. So, but I loved coaching college. I had another twelve kids immediately. Right. Who, in junior college, is an interesting time because kids are—it's like they're kindergarten to the next stage, mm. and they really do need good advice at that stage of the game. I might be mixing up. This is just one small anecdote, and it might be a different coach. It might have been a high school coach. I can't remember. So I may be mixing this up. But one of the basketball coaches I had, and I want to say it was you, told us a story, and you didn't have us do it, but it was practicing ball handling, a ball handling drill, mm -hmm. and getting yourself to to not palm the ball, to push it off the heel of the palm. And so you would use bottle caps, put it like tape a bottle cap onto your palm, and then dribble with it because it would hurt if the ball touches your palm. Is that ringing a bell? Is that you? That was me, and oh, I got okay. and I got that those tricks from my dad who okay. gave them to me, and. Um, yeah, they were actually. I think I had threaded corks with a string. Okay, and, that's what it was. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think it's more now more common, and other people have other ways. But back sure. in when I coached you, that was not a common thing. But my dad had always done that to me, and um, you know, even though I was five feet tall and <laughs> and playing in a game that people you know didn't think someone so short, but ball handling was everything. I could mm. use right and left hand and playing off your fingers so the shot just you know comes off your fingers and, right. and not like um you know shot putting <laughs> and um i'm smiling because one of my favorite kids ever was luther ellenson and, oh yeah and luther just couldn't figure that fingers out he had the best shot put you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> 
he, he put his heart into it, but oh my gosh. So that's the big smile is, is thinking of Luther and that drill of yep. the corks and the palms. Yes, yep. we and had lots of tricks. My dad had lots of tricks that make kids better. Yeah, what were some of the other maybe unconventional ways your dad would coach or just effective, even whether they were unconventional or conventional? What were some of the other things he would do along those lines? Well, he, um, for him, he implemented a lot of basketball drills into baseball. Hmm. So um, he would take the Armory Fieldhouse back in the day when it rained a lot, and um, he would set, set things up so that you've got 10 things going at once. Mm. And all the players would have to wear helmets because you've got to, kind of like in basketball where you've got the weave or you, you know how you pass here and you go there and you shoot a lay-in and then you get the ball and you dribble and then you do this. Well, my dad did that in baseball. And that was very uncommon. Mm. In fact, I'd never heard of it. And freshmen were scared to death because <laughs> baseballs were flying every which way. And he would make all the freshmen wear helmets yeah. because you had to be thinking constantly. And baseball is, is a real thinking game. You don't really realize it. If you don't know baseball, you don't really realize that you need to know how fast the guy is at, who's hitting and how fast the guy is running who is on first base. And, and so he taught drills that made you think as well as your physical. So you had to combine the two mm. constantly. And I always thought that that was so fun. I would go as a teenager and just watch because mm. it, I wish I had a video. I wish we had <laughs> phones back then that you could just have gone in there and videoed this because it was, it was incredible to mm. watch 30 players all in movement where you're just going. So I tried to implement that with, um, and you know, back in the, back when I coached you guys, we didn't have stations as much and yeah. I kind of started stations and then they kind of, they, that's a common thing now, mm -hmm. but you know, 20, 20 years ago, that was key for coaching young kids. Keep them busy, keep them busy, have stations. And, uh, so that was unconventional then it's quite mm. common now. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of stories. I didn't even know your, your dad, who, who he was when you were coaching. And then when I talked to him on the phone recently and said, oh, I'm going to interview your daughter also. And, and she was my coach. And he said, oh, yeah, I remember coming to your games. And I was like, you were in the stands for my fifth grade basketball guy? I had no idea that Jack Riley was there. And I probably didn't even know who Jack Riley was at the time. And I know. then, you know, later on, oh, that's Jack Riley. Okay. No. Isn't that funny? It's, um, it, yeah, it's an interesting thing. My dad, my dad um, didn't watch me, um, did, not, did not get to watch me as an athlete mm. very much. And um, that's because during the 80s I is, is Title IX. Right. So it was a really interesting time in our household because I, he had a daughter he loved and cherished, but I represented everything that was a threat to his program at Oregon State. Wow because that's when they were trying to figure out what programs were going to get cut, you know, what they had to have equal opportunity. And so they wanted to cut baseball for, to implement women's programs. Well, I was a part of being a female athlete and it was, you know, so I represented what, what was a threat, but yet I was his daughter. So he had a lot of conflict um, with women's athletics mm. back then. Um, he respects female athletes now I'll catch him watching, you know, the World Series softball and, and quite impressed yeah. he, he, he is. 
So, um, yeah, it was, I, I been an interesting daughter, you know, I dated one of his players that, and my brother's best friend that made for very interesting Christmas and Easter holidays. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that is an interesting dynamic for sure to ha and he was coaching he coached until 90 through the 94 season and you right. were playing in the early 80s so why right in the middle of his coaching careers when you were on the tennis team what did you see him do to keep the baseball program alive because he ultimately did it got close or maybe even kind of did get cut but then didn't get cut. i mean there was it was up and down for a while what did he do uh, you know the things that he would do to keep the baseball program alive well, he sold, um, he sold the, the concept that baseball was valuable. Mm. Baseball is good, um, and obviously he's proven that that is true. Um, but uh, when I was playing tennis at Oregon State, um, they were trying to cut it. And um, so he and I came up with a plan, which is now a common thing too, that we would go around to businesses and we would start, we would get restaurants to give us $20 coupon and we would sell a booklet of coupons mm. and um, and that would raise $20 for the Oregon State Baseball Program and if I sold it I would get $20 to go towards a scholarship yeah. for me to or just money towards to go to school right. because um, I didn't get recruited to play basketball at Oregon State as I had thought so I ended up playing tennis with no scholarship. So I ended up getting an art scholarship and, um, and then I needed to supplement that. So we came up with a coupon booklet where I went around to the Gables and yeah. you know, just all, every restaurant in Corvallis or store even. And then I went, went around to the community myself, didn't have a group or anything and sold as many as I could and ended up raising, um, $10,000 for the baseball program, which isn't very much, but uh, back, 50, what, 40 years ago oh, yeah. or whatever it was. It's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, it was 25000 yeah. you know, so, yeah. um, so, and then I raised that much for me, too. Uh -huh. So that kind of helped, and plus it promoted interest in baseball, mm. and um, he went out and got uh, some good people who loved baseball uh -huh. and built a, a baseball community by, by doing that. And um, the biggest thing he did to save Oregon State baseball was to hire Pat Casey. <laughs> he knew that he was a competitive guy, very much like himself, and that he would take this team on and make things happen. Yeah. And he was right. And, you know, competitive people, he always said that uh, that's one thing you can't teach. They either have it or they don't. Mm -hmm. And. The other thing my dad told me that was really valuable in my life is nobody's going to care more about what you're doing than you. Mm -hmm. So you need to believe in it so much that you get other people to want to believe. Yeah. And he did that well because he did believe. He did believe in Oregon was good for sports. And his biggest thing was recruit Oregon kids. Yeah. Recruit, they already know it rains. <laughs> They're not going to come up here and be, oh, it's raining, you know. They already know how to be tough. Yeah. And that is the beauty of Oregon kids is they are a little tougher. Right. They've had to endure wet weather, um, discomfort, cold. And he always thought it would be a, 
a good advantage if we could get those southern schools up to have to play in Oregon mm. because a lot of years they wouldn't come up. Right. They just wouldn't. They had they had all the cards, so now they did. But um, those are kind of the valuable lessons my dad taught me that I took on to my life. And um, you know, I, I loved playing tennis at Oregon State. Yeah. It was it was really good. I played my first year there. I played doubles with Shannon Miller, who was the daughter of Ralph Miller. Amazing. So um, you know, connections run deep. Oh yeah. And Shannon and I were are good friends and. And you've never seen two women at that stage be as competitive as she and I were. And which is why we won the state basketball championship yeah. in high school. We yeah. just had, we were, you know, way ahead of the game in understanding athletics. Oh, yeah. And um, knowing how to bear down. And that those were, you know, those were really, really fun times. I haven't thought about these times in a long time, Josh. <laughs> I am probably rambling. <laughs> That's okay. Rambling about good things. That's crazy. I mean, Ralph Miller's daughter and Jack Riley's daughter on a doubles team. You must have been two steps ahead of every doubles opponent at every step of the way. Absolutely. Especially since she was 5'10 and oh, I was 5'1. <laughs> and so we had, I was quick. Yeah. Really, really quick. And Shannon was very strategic. Mm. So, you know, we just, I knew I had to get anything she couldn't get. And she just always knew what the other team was doing before they did it. Yeah. She just had a knack, like a, seriously, a Larry Bird knack wow. in sports. She did. She could just see the game better than any female athlete I have ever played with. Yeah. I've seen women who have a lot of talent, but none who could predict the game as well as she did. The amazing thing with, with how you were selling coupons around town for the baseball program, and I can tell you're a townie because I haven't heard the Gables brought up in a long time, and anyone who's been in Corvallis for a long time would recognize it, and those more recent would not recognize the Gables. But you were selling coupons for the baseball team, you know, helping your dad, helping build this idea to, to help the brand of the baseball team. Did you think of it as, you know, baseball and tennis were somewhat in competition because, you know, some sports might get cut and ultimately your program did get cut partway through your time at OSU. And yet you were helping sell coupons to fund the baseball team, the very team that was, you know, I don't, I'm not going to put them versus one other, but one of them did get cut. So did you ever have to wrestle with that mentally? Am I, am I helping the team? That's my dad's program, but my sport might get cut. How did that go for you? Uh, my mentality back then was um, I would just find another way, yeah. you know, and that that is what happened is that our tennis team did get cut and I had to find another way. So we didn't have money for a coach. Patty Nevue stopped coaching us and we didn't have money to travel. So I uh, went out and found a coach. So I found um, Don McGailey, who I don't know, people from Corvallis will know that name well. Yeah. And uh, he coached us, and um, he, was a, he was a good coach. He's a good tennis player. Yeah. And um, so we still had a team because he volunteered as a coach because I sold the passion, sold my passion to him, so he wanted to do it. And, um, you know, so it worked. It, that's always my philosophy is that there's always enough for everyone, mm. and you just have to find a way. And so... I still sold coupons even my sophomore year for the baseball program because I needed the money also to go to school. Yeah. 
So, um, so did you ha basically help, I mean, save the tennis program, at least for another year, but had you absolutely. not done that, yeah, it probably absolutely. would have folded earlier, right? It lasted one more year. One more, um, yeah. I left my, after my sophomore year and decided to move to Southern California. And um, I worked for a couple of years in Northern California and then ended up going back down to school at San Diego State. Hmm. Um, yeah, when I left, you know, it, it, takes that, it takes that kind of person to, to want something that bad. And uh, after one year, you know, it was just like, it wasn't the same for Don, he said. So, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to coach anymore. And yeah, uh, we, we it, it's now a club sport. It has been a club sport for a long time, but um, I'm, I'm happy I got to compete for those two years at Oregon State and play University of Washington. We traveled down to mm -hmm. LA on a road trip and, you know, played Cal State LA and lots of teams down there. and. So for me, it was it was worth it. It, mm -hmm. it was good. The funny thing, and we haven't talked about your husband yet, and meet well, not meeting him at OSU when you were an athlete, I even know. though you overlapped with him, like you were competing at the same time. Well, but lots of the same friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, I um, I unfortunately just didn't notice him. <laughs> you say fortunately. Why, why fortunately? Unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately. unfortunately I misheard you. I didn't <laughs> notice him. He, he, um, he, he was a sleeper, you know. Yeah. He, he, he's one of those nice guys that you just kind of overlook unless you get to bump into him. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to, my brother introduced me to him. Wow. So that's that's how and when I bumped into him. But yeah. I missed him. I was kind of busy as I, <laughs> I joined bet. a sorority. I was playing a sport. I was going to school. I was I had a baseball player who was my boyfriend. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, I had a lot on my plate. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. that's that that too. I did. I had a boyfriend at the time, so yeah. I wasn't really looking. But the funny parallel and this didn't even occur to me until maybe yesterday or this morning because i was thinking about talking with you your son hogan a high school classmate of mine middle school teammate of mine i always loved playing with hogan super fun guy uh he's engaged now right to to alana the 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 parallel i'm sure this has occurred to you you were a tennis player your you know later on husband was a golfer your dad was the baseball coach now hogan his grandfather baseball coach his mom a tennis player his his now will be parents-in-law are the chaplains the gymnastics coaches so there's all these parallels of alana is sort of like you and that her parents were the coaches just like your dad was the coach but then she marries a golfer like it was just like oh my goodness this is like a john steinbeck novel with all the characters paralleling earlier characters like east of eden or something yeah it's you know they, they people it's people who are alike you know it's just we we are um of the same circle so yeah i played tennis in college and sean played golf mm. alana actually played two years of tennis at portland right, state right. while hogan was in college playing golf yeah just like and, you yeah you know her parents coach at oregon state and she's the daughter of coaches yeah. so she grew up um, learning all those valuable things um and taking them into her life i watch her um become who she's becoming because she is the daughter of coaches and is a driven she's probably the most driven person i have ever met wow. honestly and um which is good for hogan because hogan is is easy going and he's hard working at what he does but he he um needs her to 
keep him focused because <laughs> Alana is very focused and um, almost too much so. So she needs Hogan to make her life a little, a little more fun. Yeah. And Sean and I are that way too in well. that he's very business minded and he forgets to have fun. And <laughs> I like to make everything fun. Yeah. Everything. I don't care whether it's doing chores or, or playing, playing what you love. I mean, if it's not fun, why are we doing it? Yeah. So, yeah, there are so many parallels. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, I am blessed. Yeah. I am blessed to have the chaplains in my life. We're talking um, really cool people, quality people that, and those are the kind of people that we all, I've always wanted to surround myself with. And I feel proud that those are the people my son wants to surround himself with. Um, because who we are is, is, is all we've got. Yeah. You know, I was told that all my life too. You know, that last name, you represent more than just yourself. Yeah. And um, that's, that's a famous Jack Riley quote too. You know, <laughs> I'm sure he told all those players as they came in. Yeah. That uh, now you're a part of something bigger than yourself, and um, that's always better. Always better. Mm. So, Sean was telling me that Jack was so nervous about the 2006 championship. He, he was watching down in the basement or couldn't be around anybody. He seemed, he seemed to care a lot, even you know, 10, 15 years removed yeah. since '95. Yeah, he's like the old, the grandfather. He's yeah. like a grandfather of Oregon State baseball. He um, is proud. He is proud that he helped save that program. He doesn't want to go around and, and be a part of the program doesn't mean that he is not very proud of uh, where Pat took it, where where it went. And, you know, he's he's interested to see where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, he knows what it takes, and he knows it's going to that Mitch has a, a rough road ahead of him because, you know, he's always said it takes 10 years to be a good coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mitch doesn't have a lot of experience, yeah. so he's probably going to have a little bit of a rocky road. But, you know, he's a competitive guy, too. Yeah. So it's going to be fun, fun to watch. Um, I think we might fall a little bit, but we'll rise. Yeah. That's what that's what Beaver <laughs> Beaver sports do. Yep. We rise. Yep, exactly. We might fall, but we rise. Speaking of Beaver sports, we've, we've talked about your tennis career a little bit you also did some golf basketball was probably the best sport of, of all the ones and then there wasn't even one that you played at Oregon State but how how fun was that to and I don't know if, if Jack wanted you to play softball at all growing up being the diamond sport if you intentionally stayed away or wanted to do it but how did you what, what were the sports that you ended up competing the most and the ones you wanted to do the most that's interesting um I played tennis in high school because um a coach grabbed me and um a real special woman, Marilyn Kosky, and said, um, you are a really good athlete. I want to turn you into a tennis player. So she would take me out before school, and, and she taught me tennis my freshman year, and I fell in love with the sport. So there was really no question that I was going to play softball in high school because I loved this person who believed in me. And um, so I became a full-fledged tennis player and basketball was always my favorite. I just love um, basketball. I love the, the, the pace of it, the, the, the rough and bump into somebody, the just shoot, the finesse and, and the thinking. And I just, I, basketball is without a doubt my favorite sport. Mm. Um, it's changed. It's men's basketball is not my favorite sport anymore. Mm. Women's basketball still fun to watch. It's a yeah. team game, and um, it takes five people. Yeah. So that's still fun to watch. Um, 
So I love tennis, basketball, and I ended up playing volleyball at Crescent Valley because Shannon Miller played volleyball and said, hey, you've got to come out for the volleyball team. Yeah. So, you know, freshman did what the junior told her to. And uh, <laughs> I became a volleyball player for two years. But after Shannon left, it, it, it just wasn't my game. I was yeah. short. <laughs> I wanted to hit the ball. I didn't want to be having people pound it at me. <laughs> You know that's no fun. What did you What did you list yourself on the roster? Did you Did you try to say, Hey, I'm I'm five four. I'm I'm up there. What What did you What did you manage to pull on the roster? Josh, I stretched it to say I was five feet. So <laughs> oh, I was probably four eleven, five feet. By the time I graduated, I was five one. <laughs> I say I'm five two now, but I know I'm still five one <laughs> because five two rhymes with eyes of blue. So there you, you go. Five one, lots of fun. I guess that, that works. works. Too. But yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't stretch it to anything much because I was very noticeably short but um, I think it's an advantage being short honest to God um, people overlook you mm. constantly they don't think that you're going to be good at something because why would you be and um, I was ahead of the game mm. I was very very smart um, strategically athletically because I grew up with two brothers and I played with them yeah. and um, you know, my dad got out there. He was very rough with me. You, you want to play like the boys, then you're going to have to be tough. And, you know, mm. I don't think I ever left the court not crying <laughs> when I grew up playing with my brothers because that was just how it was. Yeah. It, it, they, were, they were showing me that if I could hang with them, then I had to be tough. And as much as that sounds awful, um, and I didn't recommend it in raising my kids that way. Mm -hmm. I started to, but Sean curbed it really fast. <laughs> um, it made me understand life isn't easy yeah. and prepared me for life, prepared me for the unfairness of life and mm -hmm. the belief that if you kick, keep after something, if you keep going back and keep trying, you will eventually make it. Yeah. And um, I think that's lacking today. I don't mm -hmm. think kids are tough enough. I don't think they... They push through the discomfort and and how hard things are. Sure, yeah. the good ones do, but the average average athlete, not a, mm. not not so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, grew up pushed around and and it 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 served me well. Um, when I raised kids, I started out that way. Poor Hogan, but. My husband is a nice guy. He really is. He is. The, he is. He has taught me, you know, that I don't have to be that way all mm. the time. Um, yeah, it was great when I competed, but I don't have to be that way as a mom. <laughs> and um, he made our kids better by making me a little softer, um, and give them give them other ways to learn how to be tough. Mm. Um, consequences. Right. You, know, you break a driver when you're 14 because you had a temper tantrum. Well, you're gonna haul bark, bark dust for two <laughs> weeks. You know, um, Hogan had to do that a couple times, yeah. and that that's also missing out there in today's consequences. Yeah. And you know, not with the good kids, they're they're still out there. I'm just saying, um, it's missing in a lot of a lot of kids. Yeah. And you see it when you get them on a sport field, or you 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 try and coach them mm. so you know but it's it's a different time and um i just honestly though i don't care what time it is what generation it is yeah. um never giving up is is never going to get old mm. ever it's yeah. it's a good thing yeah because it's 
something you put your hard work into it it makes it more valuable yeah. it makes it more important there's so many, so many good uh, anecdotes and, and qualities, things that we've talked about. Um, to, to close it up, since we haven't really talked about what life looks like right now for you, yeah. what does what day-to-day life look like in, in your life, what you're up to, and what you're passionate about now in life? What, what, what does life look like for you these days? Well, since I lived my life like I was um, six six man, crazy, I mean, seriously, strong, hard, I lived like I was a lot bigger than I was. So I... I'm feeling that these days. I um, have a lot of ex- old injuries that um, you know I feel daily. So my sports days, um, tennis is over because I have arthritis and plantar fasciitis and basketball. You know, it's like, geez, it, it, there's just you know I can't, I don't get to do as much sports anymore. But I sure can um, enjoy what they gave me while they gave me, and the knowledge they gave me to pass on still. Um, so I've just turned to my second love, which is art, and um, I spend my days being creative, building, making something out of nothing, because that's what I like to do, creating mosaic tile markers for the golf course, or you know, wine barrels into garbage bins, or just things that can be functional that have a beauty, and um, that's, and watch my son still play golf. He yeah. uh, graduated, and he's moved back to Corvallis and is now working at Tristing Tree with Sean. And uh, his dad says two years he gets to go play as many tournaments as he wants. So, you know, actually Hogan's playing in a tournament right now. And I'm, he's on my mind, you know, I wonder how that one. So with them and my daughter graduated and she is, poor thing, graduated hotel restaurant management and right (laughs) as COVID hit. So, you know, that kind of crashed. So she came back and she's running the snack shop at the golf course. And um, it's turned into a whole lot more than a snack shop these days. It's banquets and and dinners on Fridays and Saturday nights. And, um, you know, speaking of the Gables, we now have Randy Holmes out at the golf course. And he was mm. the chef at the Gables way back then. And wow. he played football at Oregon State while we were there. And, you know, the circles run deep in a town like this. And um, it's a... It's a it's a blessed life. Um, yeah. I have wonderful people in my life. My parents are still healthy. Um, I see them daily. Um, play golf with my dad, play cards with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, helping them move into a, a single story house, that's yeah. gonna take a, a little bit of work. Yeah. And of course, you know, get to spend time with my husband and make him take time off. We go on Harley <laughs> rides and um, it's, you know, I, I look back and go, I did it. I raised my kids. They're good people. Um, and now these next however many years are really for me mm. and um, enjoying every minute of it. And players that come back and see me and say they remembered when I coached them, that's just like icing on the cake for me. Means I did something for someone. Oh yeah. Well, I was gonna say before we close, you know, thinking about talking with you brought me back, you know, memories of playing fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade with you and and Mike Bray. And I don't know if you remember Eric Flom. I loved Eric. Uh, Still crazy. on Facebook with him. Oh good. Yeah. It's funny to me, you know, at the time when I just thought about playing basketball, I didn't think about why are why are these coach why are these people coaching? Why do they spend time? Eric, I'm sure was just a volunteer. I'm sure he was just there because he mm-hmm. wanted to coach some sixth graders. He's just not getting paid for it. And it never crossed my mind at the time. Why are these people here? Why do they? Why do they care enough? Eric doesn't even have a kid on the team. I mean, maybe at least it was like, well, Pam has a son on the team, and mm-hmm. there was a lot more than that, just than just that for you. But at least there's that. Why is it, why is Eric here? 
And I don't even know, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, I should reach out to him and just, hey, I really appreciated you like coaching us because you didn't have to be there, you just did it because you're passionate about it. Um, and and it, was, of, it was fun. Yeah. Eric, um, oh, yeah. Eric fell just, you know, it was a good atmosphere. You guys were a good group, for one. <laughs> and, and so that was fun. Yeah. You don't always get a group of kids like you. I mean, your class is a special group. Mm -hmm. And every now and then you get those kind of those kind of groups and yeah. Eric just was like recognized it and, and you know fell in love with it and yeah. he, 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 he was a good he was good fun I know yeah and I know people listening to this wouldn't recognize the name but the point is just that people college you know, didn't right yeah, from yeah, Oregon State student. when you grow up you know you start to think back about the people who impacted you and you don't think about why they cared back then and then you, you get older and you're in that position and you realize oh it takes people who are intentional about giving back and being involved. And, right. and even if the kids don't realize at the time, maybe they'll grow up and think back to, oh, why was that guy involved in, in my life or whatever it was? And, and for me with basketball, it, I think the reason even that I stuck with basketball through senior year high school, even though I was pretty mediocre, I didn't get much playing time, but it was because I really had a passion for that. And I loved playing fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade mm -hmm. AAU for you. And I think you had a lot to do with that Thank of you. just instilling passion and making it fun, but still pushing us to be good. and. And I still play basketball to this day and, and have a lot of fun with it. So thank you for putting yeah, the time in coaching. Absolutely. Well, you loved you loved having something to work at to get better. Yeah. You know, you loved having a reason to have something to do after school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had that 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 gift that you like you like to push. You like yeah. to climb. You like to get better at mm -hmm. things. You know. So, um, and that whole group liked mm -hmm. that we were a bunch of soccer players or you know not not necessarily basketball players yeah. that i kind of took on and um you know it, it it worked out but thank you for remembering those times oh, yeah. as good i still remember that monmouth game fifth grade I season do. do you do you really oh, no I, way <laughs> you said that and i was in the gym no. at that moment a road game right Drove oh yeah out there. and that gym and put oh. we you know what the score was after the first quarter no, I but, don't know what their score was, but ours was zero. <laughs> but we never gave up. We didn't. We never gave up. We and, didn't. And I, yeah, I remember. Fifth grade. The Monmouth gym. I remember <laughs> just the vibe of every, but that's who I am. I'm not a real, like, you couldn't tell me dates, but I could tell you yeah, how, yeah, how, yeah. The, how the gym, you know, smelled or what. It was kind it, of dusty, wasn't it? Kind yeah, of dark. Dark and dusty. Not super well lit. Mm -mm, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we struggled that game, but oh, yeah. you guys never, never gave up. You were having a hard time hitting a shot. I remember that. In the first three quarters, yeah. In the first three quarters, <laughs> and then the fourth quarter, you lit it up. It was like, give the ball to Josh. I don't think I've shot that well in my life since then. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Do you remember, though? I mean, it was like it, it, fourth quarter, and we came back, and I don't... I don't think I've ever hit three three-pointers in a quarter except for that one time in fifth grade. I know. And you always have that to remember. And I do. Always. And I always love that about coaching is that, you know, that girl who hit that, that softball one that, that, you know, we didn't have fences, but it rolled between the players. And you know what? If it was going to be close at home plate, I was going to send her because guess what? It might be the only time in her life she could get a home run. Yeah. Give her that chance. Yeah. Give her that chance, because she'll be saying that when she's 25. Yep. I hit a home run. <laughs> and I, I hit three, hit three threes. Points. <laughs> thanks for thanks for giving me the ball, keeping me in there. That's all you. That's what you do when you find a hot hand. <laughs> thanks so much for, for chatting today, Pam. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, and thanks for asking me. It's it's nice to bring up the past once in a while. 
Well, I gotta say, I am very impressed with how well Pam remembered those games, the names of the players. We chatted for a while after about all the teammates we had and the people she remembered, and it was a lot of fun to recount that. And I know even if you don't remember those people or you don't even ever met, you know, my, my fifth grade basketball teammates or what I did in fifth grade, it, I love listening to people talk about what they're passionate about, even if it's not something that I'm very familiar with or it's people I don't know, but if they care about it, it's just fun to pick up on that and kind of get that second hand a little bit and you can you can tell how passionate she is about coaching and a lot of her stories about Oregon State baseball were fantastic as well. Don't forget, I'm talking with her dad uh, Monday's episode. In fact, it was an hour after I chatted with Pam, drove over to her father Jack's house and chatted with him. So that episode comes out Monday and here's some fantastic stories about OSU baseball from a coaching legend and an OSU Hall of Famer. Last thing is if you listen to this podcast and want to support a charity, since I don't use advertising this podcast, uh, please check out Convoy of Hope. They do amazing work in disaster relief, preparing for uh, disasters, as well as just empowering people in impoverished areas and doing amazing work for uh, people all over this country and abroad. So I'll put a link in the description for Convoy of Hope, and you can check them out as well. Thanks for listening to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Already scheduled a ton of interviews coming up. Jack Riley's next, but he is far from last. Joy Selig also joins me soon, as well as some other Oregon State gymnasts, soccer players, basketball players, every sport, every era. Always feel free to let me know any suggestions as well. Check out the email list in the description. Until next time, everybody, good night and go Beavs.